Welcome back to The Traveling Teacher, coming to you from Denmark. This episode is brought to you by the importance of parental care, which may include maternity, paternity, or adoption leave. Of the 186 countries examined in the Hyman McNeil study, 96% offered some pay to mothers during leave, but only 44% of those countries offered the same for fathers. Shockingly, the United States is the only high-income country and one of only eight countries in the world that does not mandate paid leave for mothers of newborns. The U.S. must remedy this. What put me down this path? Learning about it from our teachers today. I had the privilege of being in both classes where students took the heavy lifting of examining complex concepts like the American dream and the comparative U.S.-Denmark welfare discussion and created lessons to teach each other about it. Listen in for our examination of Denmark's school system. We are here at Rongstel Gymnasium, and we and I have two wonderful teachers with me. Do you mind introducing yourselves? Yes, my name is Inge, and I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for seven years at this place now. Um, my courses are social science and physical activities, sports. Yeah. Yes, and my name is Inga, which is pretty much the same. And uh, I've been a teacher for a little bit longer. Yes, I've had my 25th anniversary in teaching <laughs> <laughs> last year. Right, but I still love teaching, so, so that's the main part. Uh, my topics are English, and uh, I teach history, and I teach drama classes. So these are the three major topics. And at the moment, I'm actually studying a fourth rhetoric. Okay. Mm. Well, I'd love to start off just giving you know, our listeners a general overview of what the Danish school system is like. So can you mind walking me through you know, starting off in the primary school and then coming up to the gymnasium level or how that branches off? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you or should I try? Yes, should. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, where to, where to start? It's... Um, it, it's Pretty much like the K-12 system uh, that, that most of the world probably knows. And uh, we have kindergarten, and we'll call that year zero, probably. Mm-hmm. And then you have elementary school up until ninth grade. There's a special tenth grade possibility, but normally people would end high school, or sorry, end elementary school and enter into high school after ninth grade. And then we add uh, 10, 11, 12 which would be uh, our high school years here. We don't call them year 10 to 12. We call them first, second, and third G uh, years. So uh, so that's the system. So it's, it's nine plus three. Yeah, but those plus two, they, are not, they, they can choose if they want to do it. It's they not can. like they have to do it. No. So they don't have to enter into to high school. There used to be sort of only one type of high school, which was called STX, uh, the very traditional type of high school, which is... Uh, we are such one, uh, uh, the Rongsted Gymnasium. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the last uh, 10, 10, 15 years, I suppose, uh, they've started uh, broadening that concept. So now they're also more business-oriented, more technically-oriented high schools mm-hmm. uh, where, you do, where you have a, a different range of topics. So if you're not too interested in social science or history or creative topics, I mean, you won't find those uh, with the technically uh, interested high school students. Um, 
there's a ratio of, of more boys uh, at those. Uh, they normally go on to engineering studies and, and, and so forth. And then uh, I suppose with the HHX, which is the business, and the HTX as the traditional uh, high school, uh, there's a more sort of average rate of, uh, ratio of, of boys and girls. So that's the system. We've got a, a fourth possibility uh, because it, it seems that in Denmark we've had a little bit of trouble attracting students to um, sort of tertiary uh, jobs and, uh, craftsmanship. and craftsmanship. So we have what we call an EUX that has uh, tried to, to mix uh, hands-on uh, craftsmanship and education. So that's a very interesting project. So they get uh, a high school diploma, but they also get sort of like a carpenter diploma, mm -hmm. um, or the beginning of it at least. Mm -hmm. So that's an, an interesting project. But but for, for, for this high school, for Rockstead Gymnasium, they're here for three years, and they uh, leave the place with a, a high school certificate and a cap on their, on their heads. Yeah, and they start around when they're 15 to 16 years old, and they leave, yeah, like around 18 to 2019. So that's the age here from our students. And most of our students are continuing to go to um, university and study something they would like. Mm -hmm. But but in, again, that's that's a, a normal thing to do for some, some not for all, yeah. Do you know the percentage, by chance, of how many of your students go on it's to university? It's pretty high. It's pretty high that, that uh, would go on to further education, especially in this vicinity. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That's a tradition for, for probably going on to business schools and universities. 70-something. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I can't uh, give you the exact, but but uh, around 75% of our students. Yeah, but in other parts of the, the, the country, I think it's lower. It would be lower. Yeah. It would be lower. So do you notice that there are disparities amongst your public school system, depending on location and type of schooling? It's not like the type of people who live in those areas, because, you know, like we live near to Copenhagen, near to the big cities, mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, possibilities. possibilities, a lot of jobs, and you don't have to travel that long to go to university, because we, we only have universities in the big cities, and yeah, so... So there's a difference between more of the rural and the urban type of education mm, yeah, yeah. and the kind of access to higher education. No, no, in, in the structure is actually the same, but the level of how, how many who, who does it is, mm. is lower, I think. Yeah, you, you say access, accessibility. Uh, accessibility. Um, well, I think Inge is right that if it becomes too difficult to, to even get to high school, you have to take a bus if, if you live in, in, in sort of western Jutland. Uh, perhaps you find something else to do. So that's where you drop out. You don't even get to high school, which mm. means you don't even get to university later on. Mm. Uh, I think that's where they have to, to, to set in. Um, and also and because course, the uh, jobs, who, who those who take this higher education, they get jobs in the bigger city, and then they, they get kids here, and the kids grow up here, and it's, it's in their tradition to take. Uh, but in other right. parts of mm. the country, it's more likely to do something else. It's not the normal Going thing to do. Going to the job market. Yeah, yeah. But I think we have a high percentage. I mean, we've got yeah. uh, compulsory schooling onto your ninth grade. You have to finish that. Uh, that's compulsory. Uh, we hardly have any homeschooling, but it, it's becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. And um, and then it's it, it's it's a matter of how many go on to to high school. Mm. Uh, it used to be very low. I mean, it used to be. Uh, when we only had one type of high school, the traditional one, the very academic one. Um, it used to be 10% if you go back 100 years. 
Uh, but today, uh, it, it's probably the other way around. 90% go and 10% don't. Mm. Uh, so, and, and the government, during the last 20 years or so, uh, they really tried to, uh, to try and spread out, as we've talked about earlier on perhaps, uh, about uh, the variety of possibilities of attending a high school-based uh, or a, a, um, a business-based or, or technology-based high school. So, so 90%, they would like that. That was their aim from the government, mm-hmm. that we should have uh, youngsters uh, go through some kind of educational high school system. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, and I appreciate getting that kind of a shift in, in that time span. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how also the private school system works in this country. Is that something that you're noticing is impacting the... Yeah, the private schools, they have the same structure, mm-hmm. I think. The ninth mm. grade, yeah, the first nine year, are some schools private, and then they have so, some private um, high school, uh, what do you say, gymnasium, like mm. our school. But it's more common that those first nine years, there are more private schools than there is private um, gymnasiums. Or public schools. Or public schools. Or private, oh, you mean private schools, yeah. Yeah, private schools. There are yeah. hardly any private high schools. No, there's not, uh, no, okay. no, but there's a lot of private a lot. There is some private um, mm. schools. Especially in this area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, also uh, because people are fairly affluent. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it the whiskey belt area uh, where we are living here. Yeah. Uh, not that that's a, <laughs> a positive characterization, but, but uh, it just sort of goes to say that, that they uh, have money to spend on their kids mm-hmm. if they want to, mm-hmm. and some of them would like to spend it on, 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 on private education. When that is being said, uh, Denmark is known for having high quality in their mm. um, uh, compulsory or, or in, in their sort of ordinary elementary uh, public publicly financed yeah. uh, high sc- or, uh, elementary schools. Yeah. My own two kids went to the elementary school next door. Yeah. I could have paid for them if they wanted to attend some of our private schools in this area, but chose not to. Mm. Um, Actually, I'm right now taking the choice this week for my son mm-hmm. who's starting school after... S- Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, next year, uh, but I'm not sure what to choose yet because I'm so. My my heart says he has to go to the elementary school because I love the system we have in Denmark and I love to support the system and and we have those good elementary schools. But actually tonight there's yeah. a meeting Ooh, at the uh, private school, and we're going to hear about it. And actually I'm kind of afraid of it because I'm afraid. I'm going to like it too much. <laughs> Actually, I am, so I, I'm going to choose it. But but because I'm I'm a person who has never thought that my son should go at a private school. Yeah. But maybe he yes. I don't know. But because yeah, I don't know. We'll but see. but normally I I really really love the Danish uh, welfare system and the yeah. system we have. I think it's good in many many ways. Wonderful. Yeah. But but now it's my yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a difficult choice. We just I will keep you updated. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear what happens. We yeah. need to get an update. Yeah, next week it's a public school who's there's the meeting. The and meeting. Then we have to Maybe that there. will persuade you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they have their open house. Yes, yes. Well, I'd love to dive into your classroom. So mm. It was really nice to be able to go into your classroom earlier today and see a presentation on the American dream. That was really interesting. Uh, so I'm hoping you just give me a little overview of like what you teach, maybe your class sizes and some of your favorite like, teaching practices that you implement in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Should I? Mm-hmm. Um, to, well, uh, the, the class you visited was a third-year senior class, and um, they have uh, 
in their third year curriculum uh, that I have to see to, I have to attend. So that's a bit more strict than probably any of our other curriculums. So um, so we've seen to, to Shakespeare uh, this year, and we've seen to uh, a, a novel. They need to read a full novel. Um, as to Shakespeare, uh, because um, it's more difficult for them, of course, to... Um, to open up a language like that and, and, and get to know about it. It's more teacher-oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, the practice there is, is more that, that the teacher is in charge and, uh, and the students commit to the task, whatever the teacher decides to do. But I think most of us like it uh, with the students taking part far more. And they can do so in, in, a, in, in, in a senior class. And then also I think we have to take into consideration how long are our classes uh, years back it used to be that they would have one hour classes or even down to 45 minutes and then they would have eight classes per day so they would sort of jump from history to geography to uh, social science and have PE and I mean their day would just be f it's a lot of schools like lots of States. lots yeah. of things to attend to and uh, then we changed it so uh, classes became uh, fewer in one day, mm -hmm. and they we turned them into modules, so they have ninety minutes, mm -hmm. one and a half hours. So you actually uh, get to see them uh, for a longer stretch. Plus, only they have to do homework for four different subjects per day, and I think that makes a difference. Yeah. And and to the students, it gives them a bit more harmony, and 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 it's a bit more balanced to them, and hopefully they're prepared for your class uh, when it, it it's like that. And when you have 90 minutes, uh, you simply need to, uh, to sequence your classes. Uh, the didactics of it uh, would be that, that sort of in general, I think, uh, surveys say that a student can, can focus max for 20 minutes or so. Right. Then you have to change the ball game. Um, so I think I bear that in mind pretty often, that there need to be activity change uh, every 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And being a drama teacher, I, I, I swing in my bits and pieces. I like to get them upstanding. I like mm -hmm. to bring them to a different classroom, for instance. So, I mean, while we did the Shakespeare topic, uh, one of the tasks would be to go and, 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 and fool around speaking uh, like Macbeth or, or changing it into rap uh, sentences or, or doing whatever paraphrasing. Uh, to make them understand the text better. Mm -hmm. um, and we had great fun doing that. Yeah. And then perhaps back and, and, and sit again and analyse a specific sort of part of the play, what yeah. is Shakespeare trying to get us to do here and find the literary devices and all the things that they do have to attend to, but, but split mm. it up like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Engaging, yes. dynamic mm. in that sense. Yeah. Mm. And I do it the same way, but I'll, I, I also... Yeah, a physical activity teacher, and I love mm -hmm. to do it in that way and, and get them up. Probably because you're yeah. a PE teacher, so you bring in part of that too. Yeah, it yeah, and natural. I think maybe we 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 are more creative than some of the other mm. teachers in that teaching. I think maybe in I don't know, but but maybe we are because we are used to. We bring to work in, that way. We bring in. We bring in some of our other topics. I don't know yeah. if you're aware that that in order to teach in a Danish high school, you should have two topics or two mm. subjects. You should have studied a degree. Uh, a bachelor's uh, and uh, the yeah, candidate and the yeah. major and minor normally mm -hmm. you would have, right? Yeah. So most of us would, would be able to teach two to three uh, subjects. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. I think that's a really important aspect of like the high teacher education mm -hmm. and the fact that you have to do at least yeah. two. And actually I love it because 
my my courses are so different from each other. You yeah. know, like the classroom is social science. We're normally in a classroom and it's kind of a teaching in one way and over in the the sport facilities we do it in another way. And I love the change. And you have the same change mm. when you're teaching drama and uh, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. more project-oriented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been sort of studying the different genres, yeah. but uh, I've taken them to the theatre twice, and we analyse performances. Mm-hmm. And right now they've started on a project where they're going to perform to one another. Yes. Uh, one group is doing sort of Greek uh, theatre tradition, another one is doing the Comité de l'Arte, mm-hmm. and we have one group doing sort of uh, what we call the, the naturalistic era uh, with Stanislavski, and then the last group is doing modern theatre with performance. Mm-hmm an impromptu work. Uh, so they're working now uh, on, on that project. But I also I love when I have the same students in both courses because I can see them in, yes. in different areas and that gives me a more yeah, whole uh, picture. picture of them and uh, we get a relation in some other way. But that's not if it's not every class I have in both courses. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like the, the schedule you're has going to, to watch is, yeah. is our joint second F. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I have them both in physical activities and in social science. Yes, I love coaching for that exact reason, right? Because yeah. you really get to build deeper relationships yes. with some of the students that you have in your classes yeah. as well as your team. And then it's, it's actually been a hard year to start for me, not in kind of way because I've been on this maternity leave and I finished all my students before, and all the students I have had this year have been mm-hmm. new for me, and it's a lot of new people to meet and learn and. It, I've, I just love when I know the students and I they know yeah, me course, and we have the relation point. built up. Mm-hmm. It's so much better. So, so how many hours would you be with them? You'd you'd have them either de- uh, you'd have them either in in social yeah, science. Yeah, I have or them in every day, right? Four lessons per week. Okay, three or four lessons per week, and some uh, students I don't. I only have some one lesson per week, mm-hmm. so I don't feel like I know them the same way, and there's a little more. On the surface, uh, I'm curious actually yeah. about like learning more about the maternity leave too, because we talked about this earlier, yeah. and I have some really good friends who kind of struggle with that balance of you know because we don't get too too many uh, days off for maternity leave in the states. No, so I'm curious if you can share your experience of what maternity leave was like for you yeah. and how you're actually using it this year to kind of yeah. ease your way back into the school system. Yes, the normal system in Denmark is that you have um, the mother is taking some months where she get paid from her her workplace. Uh, some places do get six uh, months of salary, and some places it's four months of salary, and it depends on what kind of job you have mm-hmm. and how your workplace is doing it. But um, after, when it stopped from getting money from your workplace, the, the state, the government, you get paying money from the the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, welfare benefit or maternity yeah, benefit. Yeah, and you get up to a year. So you can stay at home and You're get your some... Full salary. Yeah, no, not your full no. salary. Some percentage. So, yeah, it, your full salary depends on how long you're... You've been at the job. Yeah, no, no, how long... The, this job it gives six, six months uh-huh. of uh, full paid. paid. But um, my husband's job where he works, they only got like two months of... Uh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and where yeah, so it depends on. The work. But uh, after it stops from your workplace, the the state will give you up to a year, and you get a lower income, but you get a, a decent income, so you can stay at home for a year and look after your kids. So the most uh, kids are starting in. Um, 
kindergarten or what you can call it preschool no whether nursery uh, yeah around when they're around one year old they're one year old. and that's already as part of the welfare program yeah. paid for yeah yes yes and then so they could pay, they you, could you start to that it, yeah, yeah. It, the state does the state does not pay you get um, you get money back through the system somehow. You get yeah. uh, the, the refund or yeah. yeah. When you have kids, uh, uh, yearly you get uh, a certain amount of of money that you can spend on that. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's it works that way. Yeah, but you have to pay. To you pay them up front yeah. and you yes. get them yeah. back. Yes, and you and yeah, in kindergarten and nursery they yeah you pay. Actually, it is. It, amount of money you can feel yeah. it. it it is but when you go to the school system when you come to the public school or to the elementary school it's for free yeah yeah and you've been able to then also not take the full year and ease your way back in this school year is that correct mm -hmm. yeah because i my son uh, he's four years old no five years old now mm -hmm. but he uh, when i was on maternity leave with him i am not i did not take the full year off i took um up to 10 months, and then I, I chose to start at back to work. Uh, and he started when he was 10 Perhaps months Sometimes old. it yeah. fits better with the school yeah, year. Yeah, so because the school okay, year yeah. starts. I'll save my two months. It's better yeah. for me to start 1st of August and 1st of October yeah. uh, in the midst of something. Yeah. So, so that could have been the case Yeah, for that you. was the case, yeah. And then I started up with a with school year, and then I had two months I could uh, save and use as I like and take... Uh, I think it's like s up to seven years or nine years. I cannot remember, but you can use it whenever you like. If you got an and um, if your your workplace agree and mm -hmm. you make a plan with them and you can use it this way. So so I now I'm working only eighty percent and the last twenty percent is I'm getting paid from my maternity leave money. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great deal for me because this year has been, you know, there's a lot of uh, sick kids and a lot of, uh, so they can get more short days in the institution mm -hmm. and it's perfect for me to come back and in, in the system again, I think yeah. it's really a good way to do it. And I don't feel that pressure you feel right now. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't have any kids any longer that I can no. seek maternity leave for. No. no, you're right. Yeah. I think I d I'm not sort of fully following because uh, it's not an issue of mine. But but I've heard that uh, they're trying to the government that is, they're trying to implement set rules about when the dad has to take yes, his paternity leave. So after the six months for 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 the the woman or the mother. Um, it should be a more shared responsibility that mm -hmm. if the husband does not want to take it, it's going to be yeah. be taken away. Yeah, I mean, then it, uh, it goes from the kit. So it's it's up to each individual family, and that, and that's sort of uh, an sort of incentment to try and bring more men into yes. uh, take, yeah. taking maternity leave or paternity leave, as it will be. Yeah, but that's a political discussion right now. It's not mm -hmm. something that has been. But it's moving in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Only yesterday on, on television there was a program on, on these young men who were on paternity leave and they went to, to sort of uh, play groups and so forth, uh, all the men. It was quite interesting. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. Uh, well, diving back into the school, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, know, like, that's, I think that's so important because I think so many of our teachers feel the pressure 
right, mm-hmm. to go right back to, to school. And, and so it's really nice that, like, the, the state at least provides that and the school is supportive of that. It's pretty flexible, yeah. at yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious about, like, also the, so the, the first three months of your gymnasium, mm-hmm. right, how that works, because I'm surprised that now in November you start having new students. And so can you describe how that system works? Yeah. It's not that we're going to have new students. Uh, at August, uh, mm-hmm. our students in the first year starts. Yes. But they came in um, classes who is um, mixed up, and it's uh, they have not chosen anything. They just put in a class. And then they go the first three months of the year, and they try a little of every, everything you could try in the mm-hmm. gymnasium. And after three months, they have a check to check it, yeah, to check a choice what kind of direction they want to go in for the next two and a half year with their, their education, this place, yeah. And then they can choose to go more social science way or more uh, math way or more in different directions what of their interest. And then they get in new classes and start up again as a new introduction week and with an introduction program. And yeah, so that's kind of a new start for them. So they can really focus on what they want to study. Yeah. And you mentioned there's some pros and cons. How has that shifted from this is a newer system that, mm. that yeah. the state is is uh, trying to implement? Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about pros and cons. Is it better to have them start in their original class as of beginning of school year August, or is it better to let them sort of try a little bit of this and that and let them start in, in November? Um, depending on what class you end up in. We've got classes where it it works well and and they actually want to work in their uh, first classes, what we call their introductory classes as well. And we've got the opposite, where people are just waiting. uh, When do we get really started, which will be tomorrow morning uh, uh, here in November. Um, So it depends, I suppose, type of students and and, and your own sort of motivation uh, for really getting something out of those first three months. So, depending on who you ask, I believe, is, yeah. is the right answer to that one. But I have made some change for the teachers as well, because we have to teach in in totally the same way mm. the first three months, because the More students have curriculum has, based. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they should use it, uh, so everyone has had the same when they start in the new classes, so that we can build on top of that. Mm. And then you get more autonomy once you get to go into the later half of the first year and second year and third year? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, no one has told me that I need to to, to sort of... I'm an English teacher, and, and we have planned this introductory folder, and we all, all English teachers read all the same text the very first three months, a bit like sort of uh, in the U.S. where you also have a set schedule mm-hmm. week per week, week per week, uh, or by week. Um, I've decided with my class, for instance, uh, it's going to be a global class, global politics and economy class. We're going to look at the global world. So I'm starting on India right away, and I've already sort of taken contact to, to some of our Indian exchange students that we have from our partner school. Mm-hmm. And as a surprise, they'll be coming to their first English class. So I'm sort of going right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to go. We're here, yeah. we're global. That's, That's why start. you pick this class. Yeah, and I think a lot of us is, is, is watching what, what kind of class are we receiving and what kind of student is it what do they need and what would they find interesting mm-hmm. so we're looking forward to do something that we can we can really really dive in yeah. dive in and we can we know we can uh, make something who's interesting for and the finally students. they've yeah. been, been pl- placed in classes together with people who are just like them yeah. mm-hmm. uh, whereas in the first uh, three months i mean it was just random 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be people who are actually interested in, in studying medicine and people who are interested in playing music or whatever. I mean, that was that was a good bunch of people and, and they were there f- for the introduction. But they also knew somehow that I'm probably not going to mm-hmm. hang out with him or her for, for, for much longer after the introductory course. And now they, they meet with people who actually opted in for the same interest. Mm-hmm. So we also believe that they'll take far more interest now in, in, in their new class because that's where their interests are. And then um, there's not, uh, the teacher has a free choice of planning, but the students still have to follow uh, a whole bunch of, of, uh, of compulsory topics. Okay. And more so here uh, in the traditional high school system than you'll find in other systems perhaps. Yeah. They do have to take history, they do have to take religion, they do have to take uh, ancient history. Um, they do have to have a sample of, of natural geography and biology and uh, chemistry and so forth. So, um, so they definitely uh, need to uh, to apply to that. I love hearing about like the the global perspective too, and the fact that like right away you're jumping into India mm-hmm. and, and like really engaging the students. And also, I know that you have is is it for every student that they go on a a trip whether somewhere in Europe or somewhere further on in their second year. Can you describe what, what that experience is like? We have a trip in every in the second year. They have a a trip for a week where we go to, to somewhere in, in Europe or some classes, the global classes go overseas. They go to India, they go to China, to the States, somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. But they have to pay as an extra... You have to pay themselves for these mm-hmm. trips. Um, but they know when they start that everyone is going on a trip like this, so they have to put away some money so they can pay it. Um, and is it focused on their interests? Like, so if there is a geopolitics, that's what they'll be yeah, on the, that trip more for, and if it's music, they're more for that trip? Or But it's more like they don't choose the trip. The teachers for yeah. who has the class chose mm-hmm. the trip, mm-hmm. but the teacher chose a trip who is related to the interest in the class, so yeah. you can go somewhere and you can focus on... on kind of activities yeah. who is uh, yeah. last year I went to Edinburgh as an example and I had this class it was a biotechnology class mm. and the biotech teacher of course wanted to, to do something related to biotech mm. and luckily as we all know Dolly uh, <laughs> um, came from from Scotland so we went to Natural Museum of History and, and, and saw Dolly and she's uh, mm. posing there now and, and they'd done something on genetics and, and of course studied that and Scotland is also known for, for other sort of uh, biotech studies and uh, I and tried writers to f- too, right? and writers yeah. too exactly so that's where I came in so mm. biology or biotech and biology and English we, we made that common tour mm. uh, to um, to Edinburgh yeah and this year you're going to next year you're going to Dublin but the class was more like a mm. business oriented and then you're going to visit a lot of uh, Google. Yeah. yeah Google and some business places and something was more... Yeah, we're planning it at the moment, but but I'll probably sort of draw the history card a little bit more there and look into 1916 Easter Rising, Mm. and uh, also we're going to to visit uh, um, a prison and and, and some of the sort of uh, more sort of touristy sites, I suppose, yeah. Kilmainham Jail is, is, is one of the very common places to go. But we also have some classes, or we had some classes who was ex- well, kind of like a physical activity was their main uh, course interest. And we go to um, Morocco and uh, for a week and uh, in a surf course. Uh, 
Yeah, that's really that's so that's that the trip is different from class to class, and you the teacher plans as as they like, as they think that it would be interesting for the theme the mm. class is working with. Mm. No, we had classes, I think, uh, in PE, uh, Vanderson, and then who was it? Uh, they took uh, one of our PE classes uh, biking around Sicily, didn't they? P P what what do uh, you mean? The, the Randy son was in that class, uh, PE physical education. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, there were probably yeah. while you were away then, uh, but but that that was quite an interesting uh, trip uh, to bike around Sicily. It was very personalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's personalized. Yes, trips and really engaging in different, mm-hmm. yeah. different ways. And we have that's actually a really good thing. We have um, a person who sits in uh, at the office helping us uh, with uh, planning the trips. And if we say you would like to go to Dublin and we should see this this year and the tickets and. So it doesn't have to, the onus isn't all on you to organize all those details. No, sometimes we have the contacts out, say, mm-hmm. and then yeah. we help her out. Yeah. Uh, but but overall, I mean, if it's 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 a trip in Europe, I mean, she could book tickets to 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 Edinburgh and Dublin just as easily. It becomes a bit more complicated when we're talking about global classes mm-hmm. because we have contacts out there yeah. that we do. But it's a big help help mm-hmm. for us for the teachers that yeah. we don't have to do all the practical about it. But we have to plan what is the. <laughs> Yeah. What is the fun to do? So yeah. I think uh, when we started the global uh, project uh, 10 years back, uh, we just had our f- anniversary. Uh, it was sort of a, a way of, of trying to tune a study line into a certain identity. And it's actually become so that the entire school has become more uh, known for being global overall. So all classes are global to some extent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, being global is, is such a, a, a broad term that you can put anything into it. And you could have climate as a, as a global theme, or you could have the UN Sustainable Goals, mm-hmm. the SDGs. Uh, so a- anything goes, so to speak, to be, be global. Uh, but if we're thinking in terms of didactics, I think what was special about the way we, we introduced the global classes would be that we were activity-oriented, meaning that we introduced camps. I think we were the first study line that introduced camps. And... Um, it's not sort of tent camping outside, but uh, a literary camp, for instance, and we would have two days where we would have uh, our students uh, discuss a certain topic of global interest. And uh, so it became popular that uh, the first-year students, they would have a rhetorics camp. We would have someone from the outside come and tell them about how important it is for communication and teach them about uh, rhetorics, and we'd do debate afterwards. And they'd learn how to discuss pros and cons, and they'd be far more independent. And they could use that as a strategy when they got into classes, so they'd be more uh, willing to sort of look at at an argument from both sides. And then uh, in their second year, uh, typically uh, we would have another camp. For many years it was uh, about entrepreneurship and innovation, and we looked into Africa. How can Africa become uh, sort of uh, more entrepreneurial? What have they already done? And uh, they would uh, do innovative ideas of, of, of how they could sort of build up their own business. And the concept of, um, of aid to trade instead of, of just giving aid, turning aid into to trade mm-hmm. and being self-sufficient was part of that. Mm-hmm. And um, if you had stayed on for next week, you'd see that our senior students, the class that you met with today, the two global classes we have B and C, they'll be having a camp on uh, the Battle of the Arctic, which is pretty hot, 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 especially with Mr. Trump. Yes. Mm. And they're going to have um, 
social, uh, not social, but military security people. Uh, they've invited two of our sort of very knowledgeable uh, military leaders to come talk about what's the whole issue, what's this about sort of the Arctic, the five, the Arctic five, what's going on, how come it's been so uh, hot an issue now, and, 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 and what's really amiss. And they uh, listen to uh, presentations and they discuss afterwards. And then the, the third year students, we're preparing them to watch university. So they have to, they get two weeks off in spring before they graduate where they have to write about a topic of their own choice and do a mini academic report. And some of them most likely will probably write about sort of uh, the Greenland it's issue and the Battle of the Arctic mm -hmm. uh, and they'll take their starting point in one of those camps and then they can use it. Other students may be interested in one of their study tours. They've been to China. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they're interested in, 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 uh, in the trade wars between uh, the US and China. Mm -hmm. Or they may have picked a third topic of, of interest, uh, but of, of a, a global orientation. Yeah. But in general, the system is worked that we are thinking a lot more uh, courses together and work together. So they it's should write in two kind yeah. of courses. They should write, it, for example, in English and social science and, and make a, a, a project, a report, who is combining those two yeah, disciplines. disciplines yeah. And, and that's a, a new way of, it's more and more implemented in the Danish school system that you have to we just talked about uh, the, the, the study tour that, yeah. that are be going on with our yeah. joint class. We have a project, an interdisciplinary yeah. project. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. So the teachers work together, and and the students should feel that maybe sometimes they work with a topic, but in this course we see it from this angle, and this course we see it from this angle, and they they get a bigger whole of it. As a, yeah. So that's um, that's kind that's kind of you know that's that's some new movement who is mm -hmm. as a like the last 10 years or something, yes. is that something who has been more and more... And it's nice uh, to see it in action in yeah. the sense that you're doing. And I'd love to ask more questions and everything, but I guess I want to just like finish this off with one final question because I think it's really fascinating to... Mm -hmm. like I know what I would want to pull from kind of the experience I'm hearing and seeing in the school. <coughs> I'm curious about what you'd love to implement if you had the power to run your own school or even in the higher level of the state. Mm -hmm. What would be the... Um, policies or actions that you'd want to implement in the schools to make it better for you as a teacher and for your students? <coughs> yeah. Create a space for the teachers to interlace their own teaching and, and see what the, the class they, uh, they have and, and make, yeah, so they don't have to teach in the same in every class. That's one thing. But otherwise, I will also, I think the classes are too big. Mm -hmm. I think it, I really love having those classes. Sometimes we are lucky having a class who is not filled up and there's only like 20 students and I feel it's it's a big difference having 20 students or 32 students. You can easily see them a lot more one-to-one -one and I don't know, I think you have, it would be okay to have fewer lessons but in smaller classes I think it would actually give more in the, in the end. I agree. Yeah. yeah, wow, if, if I could, uh, yeah. <laughs> I could pick. All your experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose I could, I could take three. Um, 
uh, it, it would be very nice um, to have uh, the one-to-one -one back. And one-to-one -one meaning that you'd have enough preparation time for each class, which would make uh, education and the teaching uh, better for everyone, teacher and student included. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's something that I would uh, definitely bring into the system. Um, then the creative part, I think it should be compulsory. I think Canada, uh, they've shown some good studies that you actually uh, learn better if, if you are creative and if, if you are physically activated as well. Uh, so definitely make sure that they should have some kind of creativity. In Denmark, they have to take a creative subject in their first year, be it drama, media stu studies, or visual arts. So I definitely would, would keep that and enhance that even. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also it's compulsory to, um, to have a talent program. And being the coordinator of our uh, talent program, I think that there should be a talent program at all levels for the sort of very skilled, very talented, who we can send off to uh, 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 national talent programs. And then also uh, what we're working on here uh, at, at each school, that there should be a very good offer of a talent program uh, to help the students find out, what am I good at? What should I try and pursue even more? And, and that would make kids have hopefully more happy. And I like finishing up on that, right? The importance of making our students happy and understanding it's not just academics, but it's their whole being, right? Their whole talents mm. and their individual self. So thank you so much for sharing yeah, you're with welcome. me about the system. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>